0: On all nations to do everything they can to stop these terrorist killers. Thank you. Now, watch this drive.
1: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills.
2: McKinney is trending on twitter right now. I I just feel like I need to I need to point this out. I need to say something about her. Remember Billy McKinney 2020 or like the first month of the season or maybe that would have been 2021? I think it would have been the spring of 2021. Right when Billy McKinney was like the best baseball player we'd ever seen for like a week and a half. And we're like, "Oh my god, who is this Billy McKinney guy?" It was in April. It was really early in the season. And then of course he he was designated for assignment or set down, and then we never thought about him again. I opened up my laptop, and it's like, trending for you, Billy McKinney. Wait, what? Huh? Uh, Aaron Judge has been placed on the 10-day injured list for the Yankees, and they're calling up Billy McKinney. So it's not like everyone's tweeting about Billy McKinney. Billy McKinney is getting mentioned in tweets about Aaron Judge, and there's a lot of Aaron Judge tweets because he's been playing just insanely well. Uh, and now he's going on the 10 day IL. Speaking of New York, have you seen pictures of what's going on in New York City today? Jeez! Uh, if you haven't seen, go on Twitter, go on Facebook, turn on the new, I don't know. wherever you consume your things, uh, just go search New York City. It looks it looks like not Earth. all of the smoke from the Canadian wildfires, but it's not it's not like smoky, it's it's orange. It's glowing. It's freaky. It looks like, and I tweeted this out, it looks like every scene in a Vince Gilligan show that happens in Mexico. Like, that's how you know that the beginning of a Breaking Bad episode, you're like, oh, the screen's really yellow. We must be in Mexico. See what Better Call Saul. The, the New York City skyline, all these pictures, it looks like a, like a Vince Gilligan shot. So there's your, your Billy McKinney update, your New York City update to start the show. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you've had an awesome day. Beautiful day. I went for a little walk around downtown La Crosse, stretched my legs right before the show. We have so much to get to tonight. I think this is an awesome night to talk about the Brewers. Really exciting win last night. They're coming off a weekend against the Reds. They won three of four. And I know that they looked really bad on Monday night. And that game sucked. And they got shut out by a lefty. But the big picture, or at least the big picture of the last five or six days, has been really good, really promising. Willie Adamas is now back. They sent down Bryce Terrain to make room. Bryce Terrain went on, what was he, on an 0 for 21 stretch or a 1 for 41 stretch over the last couple of weeks. And as soon as he finally has a good night, eh, you're getting sent down, buddy. Uh, Willie Adamas is back. And look, we got this Luis Urias guy. <laughs> we we got to get Luis Urias some at-bats. Holy smokes. He's the he's the missing piece. Uh, he hasn't been the last couple of years, but now, yeah, Luis Urias is the guy. Whatever. I'm not trying to be anti-Luis Urias. It's Bryce Trang finally had a good night, and you reward him by sending him down? Cruel. A brutal sport, especially the way the Brewers do it, right? They're a very transactional team. So I want to start the show by talking about the Brewers. I want to talk a little bit about the NBA Finals tonight, uh, and we got a lot of audio. I, I just, I, you know, when you have a... A leftovers day in the house. It's like, hey, what are we doing for dinner? What are we doing for lunch? Just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We get leftovers, right? And my dad, what he does, he just gets everything out of the fridge. Everything goes on the counter. Every, here's some baked beans. Here's some coleslaw. Here's some potato salad, taco shells, meat, salad. Let it. It's all going out on the table all at once. So we're going to kind of do that in the second half of the show because I got some audio from Matt LaFleur. A couple different updates on things going on in OTAs or... I don't even know what they're doing. I always get OTAs confused with training camp and training camp with non mandatory mini camp and rookie mini camp. And they're doing things in Green Bay. Got some updates from Matt LaFleur. A little more audio from Adrian Griffin, the new Bucks coach, if you're interested. And also a little audio from Jordan Love. So that's coming up in the second half of the show. 608 796 2558. If you'd like to text or call the show, I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Uh, and you got to get on Twitter and just read about Billy McKinney because, my God, he is, he's like, the trending name. I haven't thought about Billy McKinney in two years. I remember he was like the best baseball player we'd ever seen in the, the spring of 2021. The couple of road trips, I remember uh, a series against the Padres uh, early that year and the Dodgers late at night back when baseball games weren't done in 45 minutes and you actually had to stay up until midnight when the Brewers were on the West Coast. I miss those days. So one last memory This is probably maybe the last time we ever mentioned Billy McKinney on the show. I just want to get my money's worth. It's a good night to talk about the Brewers. Like I said, they've won four of five, three of four against the Reds over the weekend, including a dramatic finish on Friday night, uh, a game that was a nine to one score that then was 10 to eight, and it came down to the wire with Devin Williams. Sunday was a comfortable win. And then last night, the Brewers getting a walk off in extras. Joey Weimer, who we'll hear from in just a couple of minutes. Monday, we debated whether or not Brewers fans have become a little spoiled. And they poked some fun at me and jabbed me a little bit on over the line the next morning, and of course that's what we do. I love when those guys nitpick every word that comes out of my mouth. Uh, we were talking about whether or not Brewers fans are spoiled, right? Spoiled or not spoiled, whatever word you want to use, I think we'd all agree that we'd react differently to this Brewers season if it was taking place in 2018, right? And we outlined this a little bit on Monday. Like right now, we're, we're kind of bored with this team because everyone's hurt. Well, in 2018, if we were watching this, we'd say, my God, everyone's hurt, and they're still finding a way to compete. They're still finding a way to be in first place. I want to read you a tweet that I saw today. My eyeballs almost fell out of my head when I read it. A tweet from Sam Olber. I didn't know who this was previously. Uh, he does the Locked on Cubs podcast, I guess. It doesn't really matter who he is. It's, it's what he said, right? He tweeted about the Cubs. He said, this team is a joke. Take accountability for this type of play. Roster this, ro- or roster this, roster that. They are playing a terrible brand of baseball, and then he quote tweeted this. Listen to this. This is from last night. I just watched the Brewers find a way to win a game with less talented players delivering. It's a culture and brand of baseball the Cubs don't have. The opposite of what I thought they'd be. Wait, 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 wait. wait. So Brewers fans, myself included, I've been guilty of this a lot the last couple of weeks. We are bored. And we are frustrated and we feel like this team really isn't worth our time because the division stinks and everyone's hurt. And Cubs fans are like, look at what the Brewers are doing. They're finding a way. They have a culture. They're staying afloat even though their entire team is injured and they're getting contributions from the rookies. Whoa. So just listen to what Cubs are saying. Cubs fans are saying about the Brewers. I think that speaks volumes. Maybe we have gotten, if you don't think the word is spoiled, maybe we've plateaued a little bit as Brewers fans. Maybe we've gotten used to the team having a certain baseline level of success and i think we need to remember that i think we need to recognize that Brewers are in first place as of today now that we're past memorial day i, I can check the standings fans are very ho-hum bruiser as we talked about yesterday three and a half back from the number one spot in the nl so it's not like it's not like they are terrible in the scope of the rest of the national league it's only june 6 and i'd imagine some of the more talented teams are going to start to find their groove but also, there's a lot of teams that spent big in the offseason that aren't exactly killing it right now. Phillies haven't been playing well. They gave Trey Turner all that money. And the Mets went on a spending spree. They look like an average baseball team right now. The Padres, I believe, when I checked this morning, they were in third place, I think, if I remember correctly, third place in their division. They've spent a bunch of money and invested big time in, in new players and established talent. And they're not that great. I don't know that anyone in baseball is that great, at least on June 6th. The Brewers fans, let's... I don't know. Let's remember that. Let's have some perspective. And I think it's it's going to be a lot more easy to get excited about this team, a lot easier. If Joey Weimer's on a hot streak or if Bryce Terang has an awesome night, right? Because we want to cheer for these guys. I want to have a reason to, let's say I'm making dinner, right? This is a situation we've all been in. I'm making dinner in my kitchen and the Brewers game is on on the TV out in the living room. And you're thinking, Grant, you live in a tiny one-bedroom or studio apartment. Your TV, your living room, your kitchen, it's all the same. Correct. Okay, but let's picture you with an actual real-life house or a place where they might be separate rooms. If the Brewer game is on and you're cooking food, you're distracted and you hear, here comes Joey Weimer, I want a reason to run to the TV thinking, oh, this is this guy's next. He's one of the up-and-coming players. I, let's, I want to watch this at bat, and then I'll come back and keep working on whatever I was working on, right? I want to do that with Joey Weimer. I want to feel like I need to get to the TV to see what Joey Weimer does or to see what Bryce Tereng does. The same way that in 2019, when Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff were all kind of coming into their own, I would rush home after work. It's like, if I only watch three innings of the game tonight, fine, but I got to see what this Corbin Burns guy is doing or Brandon Woodruff or Freddie Peralta. We want to cheer for these guys. I realize they're young. There's going to be lots of growing pains. There have been severe growing pains. With both of these guys. Like, for example, coming into last night, Bryce Terang was one for his last 41. And he was O of his last 21 coming into the fourth inning last night. not great? Then he had a triple, a walk, and an RBI single. The RBI single tied the game in the bottom of the eighth. I believe it was the bottom of the eighth. Yeah, bottom of the eighth. It wouldn't have been the bottom of the ninth. Bottom of the eighth against one of the better relievers, a reliever that's pitching as well as anyone in Major League Baseball right now. Makes us feel good for Bryce Terrain. I'm good to struggle through the growing pains. I'm okay. I can deal with the 0 for 21 slump with Bryce Terang. if every once in a while you're going to give us a couple awesome moments like we got last night. Now, unfortunately, got sent back down. Kind of crummy timing. And with Paige Sporonic bobblehead day coming up so close, I'm just gutted for Bryce Terrain. Can you imagine being in Nashville? for? <laughs> From Paige Spiranic, Bob bobblehead day, here's Bryce Terang asked about his confidence. He said it never wavered, and I, I believe that he thinks that. I, I can't imagine that you don't start to get a little frustrated when you're one for 41 at the plate. Here's Bryce Terang.
3: Was, was your confidence still pretty good despite the struggles?
0: Yeah, I mean my, my confidence was was there. Uh, balls weren't falling, and I continue to try to have the best at bats I can. Um, but yeah, I mean it always feels good to. Uh, help the team win, and that's that's the biggest thing I always talk about is how to help the team
2: win, and
4: it, it always feels good.
2: His defense has been outstanding. His defense has never wavered, and if you talk to any baseball coach or, of course, you listen to Craig Council, they'll talk about their defense. I like Council because he says our run prevention unit, and I think it it serves baseball fans well, and it serves, you know, sports talk radio well to consider run prevention as as not just pitching but as defense as well, especially up the middle. And you can't write the story of the 2023 Brewers so far without talking about Bryce Trang's defense behind who's ever pitching. And this year it's been a a carousel because there's been lots of injuries to the starting rotation. But Bryce Trang, for as poor as he's been at the plate at times, has played a stellar second base. And Joey Weimer, who we'll talk about here in a sec, has played a stellar center field. And I remember Joey Weimer... In spring training, or it might have even been the first couple of days of the season, really early on, uh, when he was asked about a stellar defensive play that he made, he said, "Look, you're not going to have it at the plate every night. You're not going to be able to to collect a couple of hits and get RBIs and hit for power every single night. But on those nights, you got to play good defense, or you got to be smart with your basing. You got to find a way to contribute. And I think Bryce Terang, for as poorly as he's hit, has done a good of job as as he could have. You know." Oh, oh, one for 41 is, is pretty putrid, right? But if you play a great second base, okay, stabilize that, help the run prevention unit, help the other team from scoring runs. And for his stellar night last night and, and for the first good moment he's had in a couple of weeks, he has been sent back down to, to AAA because Willie Thomas is ready to come up. Joey Weimer, talk about growing pains. He's had plenty of growing pains, but he's had a lot more good moments than bad recently. He's had an awesome week. In the month of June, Joey Weimer has 19 at-bats, four runs scored, seven hits, three doubles, one home run, which was a rocket. Four RBIs, five walks. His average is 368. His OPS is over 1,000. The thing with Joey Weimer is that he crushes fastballs. His, 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 say, pitch recognition against breaking balls, not the best, not great. He's been able to hit fastballs now forever. That's obviously not a problem. He's got to figure out the curveball, the changeup, the breaking stuff, which is also Ben Keston here's issue. And you can't figure that out in AAA. You can't figure that out at the minor leagues because you're not facing established, educated, game plan starting pitchers or relievers like you are in the majors. The guy in the majors is going to look at Joey Weimer and say, okay, well, he struggles with breaking balls. So I'm going to try to establish the fastball maybe up or down and in just to give him a look. And then I'm going to pound the zone with with breaking balls and I'm going to get him to chase because I know he can't hit it. That's the only way that Joey Weimer can learn is seeing at-bats where pitchers know what he's good at, what he's bad at. They're going in with a plan. He needs that experience and he's getting that, which is why Keston Hira, for as great as he's been in AAA, it hasn't meant anything when he gets up to the majors because the experience is different. The, the pitcher is specifically game planning to get Keston Hira out. In the minor leagues, that's not the case. So Joey Weimer is getting better at hitting breaking balls, getting better at recognizing pitches, but the the hitting of the fastball is, has always been a thing for him. That's not changed, and he's really feeling it. Not that he would let you know in his emotions or, or in the way that he speaks. This is his Q&A with Sophie on the field last night. Listen to this.
0: That's right, Joey. Were you thinking curveball the whole time after you fouled off that last pitch?
4: Uh, Not, not trying to guess pitches with two strikes, but... Uh trying to see the ball put in play, get it hit, Good job.
0: We talked about the adjustments that you've made going back to the last stand. You had a great road trip, now a seven-game hitting streak for you, Joey. What's gone into those adjustments and the confidence with how you're swinging the bat right now?
4: Uh, we talked about it earlier, just trying to uh, do less and more will come out of it.
0: You can be excited, Joey. It's your first career walk-off hit.
4: Yeah, I am. I'm
2: more excited. Sophia's like, can you give me something, Joey? It's funny because I remember... Uh, if I've never mentioned, I did go to Brewer Spring Training this year, and I was, I was in the clubhouse. And, you know, you look around and you size everybody up. I mean, not actually. I'm not not trying to go chest to chest with these guys. That's not what I'm saying. But you, you get a feel of kind of how everyone behaves and how everyone acts. Joey Weimer, a couple different times I look over, and he would basically sit in his locker quietly by himself or maybe with someone next to him. Wouldn't really say much, and he would just stare. He would stare cry at the locker across the way, he, he would just gaze off into, like, he doesn't have a lot to say, it seems, at least publicly. Obviously, behind closed doors, you know, you're just around players. You're just around your friends. You're different. But Joey Weimer, stoic as you'll find even after getting, not his first walk off, because I think he had a, a sacrifice fly a couple weeks ago, but as Sophia said, his first walk off hit. So a, a fun Brewer game last night. And I think if if you're trying to get engaged by this Brewers team and you're trying to feel excited about this Brewers team. Last night is the perfect storm because you get contributions from Bryce Tarang and contributions from Joey Weimer. And these are the guys who we're hoping, we're really, really hoping they're going to be the next wave of, of fun Brewers hitters that we get to watch. So to see them contribute and do so in dramatic fashion and get a win, uh, that's all you can ask for from a Brewers game, at least on June 6th. Let's take a three-minute break, come back, take some texts, take some calls. A couple more things about the Brewers. I want to discuss Freddie Peralta and then I want to talk NBA Finals. I want to talk Packers as well. A lot to get to tonight. Wisco Sports Show, back after this.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show, going to get into the Packers in a little bit. I got a little Matt Lafleur audio, a little Jordan Love audio. There's a reasonable chance that none of that audio gets played. Because you know how it goes. Yeah, we're going to hear from Jordan Love at 5 o'clock. And then Eric on I-90 calls in and wants to talk about the morals of horse racing or something like that. But I I let the record show, it is on my rundown to talk about the Packers at 5 o'clock. I want to talk about the NBA Finals a little bit as well. Game 3 is tonight. First, let's bring in one of those callers, those contributors, like Eric on I-90. A contemporary of Eric's, Cone Roller, a regular on this program at 420 every day. Cone, hello. Welcome.
3: Grant, I have hot breaking news oh. out of Phoenix. I was just at the car wash over my lunch break, and Chris Paul has been waived by the Phoenix Suns.
2: Is he really bad? Really? Hold on. He down. has. Yeah. Checking go go check it out. Scrolling. Scrolling. Oh yeah, I didn't get a notification because it's not Woj. Chris Haynes breaking: Suns have notified Chris Paul that he will be waived, making the future Hall of Famer one of the top free agents this offseason. Holy cat! Tone. Breaking news. You're breaking stories on the show. I
3: was, yeah, I was at the car wash, saw a really nice Porsche, and went up, said, you know, those TikTok videos. Hey, what do you do for a living when you see someone with a nice car? It turned out to be Matt Ishbia,
2: And he said, <laughs> hey, enough. just waved Chris Paul. You think Matt Ishbia would drive a Porsche? Yeah, definitely. You think so? Spartan, was it Spartan green and white? Was it a custom custom paint job?
3: Yep, and then there was a huge dent in the front probably when... I'm sure Jokic had something to do with it. <laughs> you know, they had they had their
2: beef. Probably. Well, that's wild. I don't know what to make of that. I figured maybe they would I want know, to I, I, trade him. This is a weird one. Strange.
3: Yeah, I, I don't get it either, but what do you think? Do you want the Bucks to bring him in? you want him to kick the tires on Chris Paul?
2: Um, I mean, if it's not going to cost very much. Sure. Like, if it's not going to cost very much, you know where my mind first went. You know who's always it always seems like these two are destined to be teammates and they never have been Lakers. Yeah, what about the banana boat crew? Get Chris Paul on the Lakers. Bring Mellow
3: out of retirement, maybe?
2: Maybe. I don't know. Mellow I don't know. Chris Paul actually you see, you can you can have an old Chris Paul on your team because you don't need to ask ask him to play a ton and you don't need to ask him to take a lot of shots. Right, like you wouldn't need to score a bunch on the Lakers or on the Bucks for example, just distribute, orchestrate the offense, get us into sets in the half court. It's not like if he if he signs on with a contender for not a lot of money, it's not like he's going to be asked to do a whole lot.
3: Yeah, and you know, that's where we need our most help I think with the Bucks offense, half court sucks, So, you know, you bring in a captain player coach kind of like Chris Paul. I don't know. I, I wouldn't hate it.
2: Yeah, I'd be down. I, I'm 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 intrigued by this. I need I need to sleep on this, or I need to think about it more. This is this is all breaking. I mean, geez, I didn't hear it until it came out of your mouth and all because you talked to Matt Ishbia. Matt Ish- First of all, hold on. You don't need to wash cars in Phoenix. There's no there's no are salt you, on the roads. You, there, what? Why do you need are to you, wash your you car kidding? in Phoenix? A little sand? Because it's in the middle of
3: the desert, Grant. You know how much sand is whipping around here at all times? You know, you Midwesterners are complaining all about this Canadian wildfire and poor air quality. That's how it is every day down here in the Valley. Oh, my God.
2: Well, I guess when I've driven around Phoenix, I'll go to visit my grandma or whatever, and you notice cars that are like 20, 25 years old, not a spot of rust on them. You have a a beautiful 1995 Toyota Tacoma. It looks like it's brand new. Because there's no salt on the roads, there's no nothing to, to eat into the metal of the cars. Yeah, I think
3: rust versus dust is is one thing, and then you also get um, y- your your car can be prone to like sun blotching, basically, sure. which can really mess up the paint. Tip, so nicely done, you know, by the way. We have our own issues down here.
2: Dust versus rust. Well, well done on that. That was that was well done, I, t- I, Thank the cap. You. Do you have anything to say about the Brewers before I move on?
3: you know just
2: you know when you're growing up
3: you always have these weird aches and pains and your parents just you know oh whatever that's just growing pains at least that's how it was for me and i think that's the same approach we need to take with this brewers team you know terrence struggling ah, that's just growing pains mm-hmm. it doesn't mean he's going to be a bad player it doesn't mean we need to take him to the doctor or, or anything like that just growing pains let's let's stay patient i mean at the beginning of the season we kind of knew all these young talent wouldn't stay this hot forever. Yeah. And now we're kind of in that 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 trough. So I think we just got to ride it out. And, you know, bad division. It should be it's the brewer's division to lose. So I'm not too worried with anything. I with think brewers.
2: I think Terang was in the trough. I think now we're seeing a little hot streak from Weimer, which is great. Just keep me engaged with one of these young players uh, and keep me excited to watch. By the way, on growing pains, did your parents ever tell you to rub some dirt on it whenever you something hurt? Or whenever you, you had an injury, my parents, my dad, rub some dirt on it. That favorite expression. In yeah,
3: my, my dad was more of like, oh, we'll just cut it off then. Like, oh, my arm hurts. That's well, let's one. cut it off.
2: Yep, yep. That's, so. that's, Same thing. That's that's well done. Thank you, Cone, for the breaking news. Yep, thanks, Grant. Bye. Have a good one. That's Cone Roller. Yeah, Chris Paul. I, I guess maybe... I... Like, sometimes older players, like, well, maybe they'll get bought out, right? You you hear rumors or you read things, like, there's a good chance that this aging player, they won't even trade him, they'll just buy him out. I didn't hear or read or see anything about Chris Paul that, that made this seem like a possibility. Trade, yeah, but th- this is interesting because now Chris Paul has the chance to go anywhere he wants, assumedly for not a ton of money, right? So he could join a team, you know, I don't. I don't want to be this guy because the worst kind of fan is every time there's a player available. Well, what if our team got him? I'm not. I don't want to make Chris Paul to the Bucks a thing, but a, a team like the Bucks or like the Celtics or, or like the Lakers, maybe a player or two or a round or two away from the title, a team that's very well put together and very well established already, could bring in Chris Paul. He wouldn't have to ask a lot of him, right? Chris Paul's not going to have to do a whole lot. If he joins a contender, he can be the orchestrator of the offense, get him into sets in the half court, right? And the offense gets stuck. He can realize, I ah, got to get this guy involved. Got to get this motion. This is going to work. Kind of being a, a little bit of a coach on the floor. Interesting. Thank you for the break, News Cone. Mike is in Chippewa Falls, 608 796 What's going on, Mike? Hey,
3: Grant. Um glad to get a hold of you. Yesterday was such a busy day. I tried calling you about 20 times. <laughs> it was busy. It was quite the day yesterday. Yeah, it was. But uh, I just want to thank Cohen in the past for some nice things he said about me and my buddy Mike and Claire for sticking up for me. Yeah. Um, I've been posting on the Bill Michael Show for weeks now about Aaron Rodgers and all his short-lived um, high-profile girlfriends. Yeah, and now he's in, now he's in New York City, and, and Fire Island's only fifty miles away. Come on, Aaron, it's twenty twenty-three. Just tell us, uh, you know, admit who you are and move on with your life. Stop making.
2: I think this is a thing. This is my thing. When you guys call in and you say this, it's, it's not. Hey, did you hear what? And with all due respect, Mike, it's not. Hey, did you hear what Mike and Chipewal Falls said about Aaron Rodgers today? It's wow. Have you ever listened to the Wisco Sports Show? They're always talking about Aaron Rodgers' sexuality. That that's don't uh, don't, put, don't put this on me. Although it's like it's so funny I that Mike I I have never said it. But
3: yeah, yeah <laughs> I've not seen it for some time. But. Yeah, I think a lot of people have been. Another thing I wanted, did you get that text uh, I sent you about the name of that song? From yeah, about, uh,
2: about Cowherd's yeah. music, because we were doing some Cowherd stuff yesterday. Yeah. yeah, that's the name of the song and everything. So if you got any kind of music streaming service, you can just bring it up, like Amazon Music or something. Battle um, Without Honor oh, or Humanity is what it's called, yeah.
3: Yeah. Interesting. Um, oh, I tried to call early yesterday, and I texted you, um, I was really... Discussed it like last year when the whole live thing started rearing its ugly head that Dustin Johnson said the reason he jumped over to live says I don't think I have to work I don't want to work every weekend for the rest of my life just to feed my family at that time he had earned 76 million dollars on the PGA tour and who knows how much and um you know endorsements yeah. and he's worried about his family and uh yeah it ticks me off because like all the guys that stayed loyal to PGA they didn't get it I think he was bucks now they're getting back together
2: again and uh that bugs the crap on me look here's here's what's i'll be 100 percent honest here i have a hard time ripping like dustin johnson or phil mickelson or some of these golfers i have a really hard time sitting here in my little studio on lacrosse and bashing them for taking all that money because no one has ever offered me that much money mike you know what I mean? Like, nobody has ever sure. come to me saying, hey, we'll pay you $100 million to do this. I've never had that put in front of me. So I, I have a really difficult time badmouthing them and saying, well, I would never. Because I've never, no one's ever offered that to me, you know? The PGA is a little it bit different, though. Like, the PGA was on their high horse, wanted to keep their golfers, and then they turned around pretty quickly when, when they started to lose money and they wanted their star golfers back.
3: Yeah, well, I heard that uh, they offered Tiger Woods seven hundred fifty million, and he didn't go. So, um, yeah, a lot of guys just stayed loyal because they knew the dance the one that brought you.
2: You know. Yeah. Well, we're all just so, trying to feed our hey, family, Mike. Hey, that's all. That's all any of us are trying to do. Yeah. I, oh,
3: I, I uh, you'll be proud of me, Grant. I watched the entire game one of the N- uh, NBA Finals Ooh. and most of Game Two. First time I've watched in like thirty some years a whole game. What'd you think? So tonight I'll be watching too. I was, I was. You know what amazed me? Uh, I can't believe how fast the Miami and Denver. But I can't believe how fast the Miami plays. I mean, jeez, they've got speed, man.
2: They keep the pressure on you every minute of yeah. every game. That's that's I think, and we can talk about this next. That's what impresses me most about Miami is they ask you, they demand of you. If you're their opponent, they demand that you stay locked in hundred percent of yep. the time. Otherwise, they'll get you. They only need a they only need a four minute window where their opponent lets their guard down, and they can win a game just off of that. And I I think that that's are, just really impressive.
3: You are correct, sir. I thought the same thing. So yeah,
2: well, so yeah, I'm starting to get back into it again. Maybe
3: you know, like I used to, like I said, I used to watch the Lou Cinder and Oscar Robertson. Maybe now I can
2: start getting into it again.
4: Yeah. He so, just thank to you. To
2: you. Took a couple years off in the middle. That's all. <laughs> just just a few. <laughs> just a couple. Great. Right, I watched my last game in 1989. So, yeah, it's been a while. All right. So. Cheers, Mike. I got to move on. We'll talk about the finals next. Yeah. Thanks, Champ. Bye. Yeah, have an awesome night. That's Mike and Eau Claire. Uh, five minute break. We'll come back. We can put a pin in the Brewers talk. And I do want to talk about the finals because game three is tonight. And today was the first time the entire postseason, the entire NBA season, I started to consider. What does it mean if the Heat win? What does that mean for not their legacy, but but how do we think about them differently? And if the Nuggets win, how do we think about them differently? I, I think both scenarios are really interesting, so I want to break that down and and talk about some of the things that we were just saying about the Miami Heat. Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes. This is the
1: Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Show. My name is Grant Bills. Talked a little bit about the Brewers, Joey Weimer's big moment last night, Bryce Tarang's big moment last night. And I tweeted this morning at Wisco Grant, I said, I think Bryce Tarang just saved his major league spot. And not a moment too soon because Paige Spironic bobblehead day is coming up. And if I was a player, it would kill me to be down in Nashville for that. Well, after uh, his great night last night, finally got out of the slump, got a couple hits, including the game-tying RBI in the eighth inning. Uh, they sent him down and then brought Willie Adamas back, which is great. It's just this team and and timing. Timing is everything, and this Brewers team just doesn't have it. So we talked a little bit about the Brewers. Maybe we'll get back into them before 6 o'clock. I want to talk a little bit about the NBA Finals because Game 3 is tonight, and I have a couple things that I want to talk about, and Mike from Chippewa Falls brought it up, and I feel like now's as good a time as any. We were talking a little bit about the Heat, and Mike said the Heat plays so fast that I I haven't watched the NBA playoffs in forever. And I was so blown away by how fast the heat play. This is why the heat are so hard to beat. Despite Vegas loving Boston a lot more and loving Milwaukee a lot more. Like we don't need to debate. Well, Boston had more talent and, and Milwaukee had more talent. Forget talent. Just look at what Vegas thought. Just look at the lines in all those games. The heat showed everyone over and over again. We're the better team. We're going to win the series. And Boston was like,
0: mm.
2: or not Boston, Vegas, Vegas. And 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 the the people who set the lines were like, no, nah, we still kind of think Boston. Still kind of think Milwaukee. Still kind of, right? So if, if you haven't been doubting the heat and if fans haven't been doubting the heat, at the very least, Vegas has been doubting the heat. And, and the Heat keep winning and they're so hard to beat. And it's not because they make adjustments. I don't think it's grit. I don't think it's they have more heart because they're undrafted. No, I, I I think the Heat are so hard to beat because they demand their opponents full focus for every minute of every game for all four quarters, game one through game seven. You you cannot take one possession off against this heat team. That's really hard. That's really hard. Making a game plan is easy, right? Watching film. On on Tuesday night to prepare for a game on Wednesday night and saying oh we got to do this and this and this. that that's easy going out and executing that game plan and never once losing focus never once making a mistake that's hard right you talk to anyone who talks about finances you know I I love Dave Ramsey I get such a kick out of Dave Ramsey Dave Ramsey you know get your finances in order I, I just I think Dave Ramsey is it's such compelling radio we could talk about Dave Ramsey forever but anyone who works with money and gives financial advice always says making the plan is easy Lining things up and making the plan to save lots of money to become wealthy and to save for retirement to save for vacation the planning is easy the, the planning takes all a couple minutes it's sticking to that plan and remaining dedicated to that plan right and, and not wavering from that plan that's the hard part and the heat that, that's that's what they plan. Find me a game this postseason in which the Heat completely said, We fold. You guys got it. Find me a game in this postseason where the Heat let go of the rope. It might have happened in the Knicks series. I haven't gone back and I didn't go back and look at the Knicks series. I don't think a lot of us watch the Knicks series. Remember the Bucs series? I can't think of a game in, in which the Heat let go of the rope. The Bucs let go of the rope after Giannis got hurt in game one. They had a quarter where they went completely haywire, they weren't able to recover. And then in game three in Miami, without Giannis, they, they just never showed up. They let go of the rope. They they might never even had the rope in their hands. That was bad. The Celtics let go of the rope completely in the third quarter of game one. They, they, they lost it in that third quarter. And this is again the heat don't dominate you from start to finish, from, from the opening tip to the final buzzer. The heat apply pressure and they demand your attention, they demand your focus. And if, and if even the, the slightest crack appears, even if it's just for a 10-minute stretch, that's enough. The Heat will use that 10 minutes to beat you. They'll use that six minutes to beat you. We saw with the Bucks, right? They, they would play better. They would dominate the whole game. And then they'd get a little tight with about five minutes left. And the Heat would say, there we go. That's all we need. We're going to win the game just, just off of that. And there's a lot of instances this postseason where the Heat Lose two or three of the four quarters, but the one quarter where they really figured it out, that's all they needed. That's all they needed to win. That's that's what makes the Heat so good. And I think that's why even the other night against the Nuggets, the Nuggets in game two, it looked like the Nuggets were going to win. They looked like the better team. It looked like the crowd was into it. And then for eight minutes, the Heat found a weakness, whether the Nuggets relaxed or, or they dropped their guard just a little bit. And that was that. That's all the Heat needed. It's a perfect example of what they've done all postseason long. This morning, I actually, for the first time, started to think about the end game of this NBA season. Right? Like, like, what does it mean? What happens if Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets win? What does that mean for our basketball reality? Right? Or if Jimmy Butler and the Heat actually do do this thing, and it feels like if they win tonight in game three, they got a really good shot. What happens then? Well, I'll start with the Heat. Let's talk about that hypothetical first. The Heat and their fans, I think, love to talk smack about the last couple of years. In the last, I don't know if it's four postseasons, since Jimmy Butler got to Miami, there's no team in the NBA with as many postseason wins as the Miami Heat. And that's, that's great for the Heat. A lot of success. They can hang their hat on that. Dan Levitard tweeted this. The day of Game 7, before the Heat and the Celtics played, He tweeted this. Over four seasons, these are the two best teams in the East, referring to the Celtics and the Bucks. Over that time, even someone as historically big as Giannis somehow resides in their shadow. The difference between them is Bam blocking Tatum at the rim, a missed Jimmy three, and now tenths of a second. Game seven, the best thing in sports. Dan. The Heat have won more playoff games than anybody in the last four years, and the Celtics have made more conference finals than any team I've ever seen, you know, save for the Packers. They're the Packers of the NBA. But to say that Giannis and the Bucks reside in the Heat's shadow, the Bucks have a ring. Which year was it where the Bulls won? What did they win, 72, 71 games? And they had the t-shirts that said, it don't mean a thing without the ring. That's what I would tell Heat fans. None of the last couple of years matters in in the scope of the Bucks and the Warriors and other contending teams unless they have a ring to go along with it. The Heat were overmatched in the 2020 Finals. And there's a scenario in which they lose this series in five or six games. And if they do that, we look back at these last couple of years and we see the heat for who they are. They're a really tough team, right? They overperform. They punch above their weight all the time, but they were never good enough. They were never as good as Giannis at his peak or the Celtics at their peak, which is a low peak, but a peak nonetheless last year, uh, or the Lakers in the bubble. And then they... they. They essentially amount to a more likable version of the Rockets. It's like, hey, that team was really good. James Harden and Tony, they scored a lot of points, but they were never as good as the Warriors. They were never as good as the Thunder. They were never good as, as the other teams. That's the Heat's reality. That's a reality I would very much like to live in, which is why I think I'm cheering for the Nuggets. If Denver wins and they're able to, to really complete one of the more dominant postseason runs that we've seen start to finish, Jokic's resume starts to get very interesting. Nikola Jokic would then have two MVPs, he'd have a championship, and we assume a finals MVP. Heck, he might be on track to winning finals MVP, even if his team loses this series. I mean, he won't, but plenty of people are pointing that out. It's like, if this could, if this continues to go the way that it's going, you know, is there a track where Jokic wins finals MVP? There is a very small group of NBA players that have multiple MVPs and a finals MVP, at least one finals MVP. Uh, There is, the way I see it right now in front of me, 10. Can you name some of them? Multiple MVPs and at least one finals MVP. Kareem, Jordan, Moses, LeBron, Wilt, Bird, Magic, Duncan, Steph, and Giannis. That's the group that Jokic would join with a ring and, and an assumed finals MVP. And then we could talk about, you know, whose resume, you want Giannis's resume, do you want Jokic's resume? I think Giannis and Jokic, if Jokic wins this ring and wins a final MVP, I think the comparison between the two players is so interesting. Because there's a lot of overlap. There's also a lot of differences. They're both foreign born players, very much long shot success stories. I I I personally would enjoy comparing Jokic and Giannis if if Jokic were able to get this done. More so than I'd enjoy talking about the Miami Heat getting a ring and matching the Bucks' success the last couple of years. Let's go to the phones before we take a break. 608-796-2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, this is, this is Bill. Bill, what's going on? So, I'm trying, Grant, it's time for you to put your
3: Milwaukee Bucks GM hat on. Okay. Uh, Lopez and Middleton are up this year. Uh, their contracts are up. Yeah sounds like middleton
2: sounds like Middleton may resign is there going to be enough money for Lopez uh depends on how much Brooke wants I'm I maybe it's because I want to believe it but I think and I I want to believe that Brooke likes Milwaukee he's enjoyed his time here I'd like to think this has been you know probably the most rewarding stretch of his career I hope that he wants to stay and I hope that he isn't gonna you know leave the bucks for a couple of uh, extra million dollars I hope we'll see yeah, I think they'll be able yeah. to find the money to, to keep them both unless Lopez yeah. or Middleton really wants to go nuts.
4: You know, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Middleton is probably going to want to say because they actually included him in the coach search, which, which yeah. probably made him
3: feel more welcome than anything. So so I was wondering, you, you figure they're going to keep Middleton. Will they
2: have enough for Lopez? So I guess, yeah. well, this summer will tell. Well, and the thing in the NBA is you can spend a lot of money to retain guys you already have. And you pay the luxury tax, right? It gets expensive. To pay the luxury tax, but you're not hard capped from re-signing guys already on your roster. It's when you bring in brand new guys that the salary cap is is actually at play. Like you can't, they could not spend the Chris Middleton money on another player, but they can spend it on Chris Middleton. You know what I mean, Bill? Yeah,
4: gotcha. yeah. They, you know, they do have a
3: part
2: owner playing football in New York right now. That could kick in a little. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Little money just to help with the help with the luxury tax. He's got to pay New York rent though, right now. Like his rent probably oh. went up significantly. You got to oh. keep that in in account, Bill, as well.
3: All right. Well, there there went that idea. Thanks, yeah. Grant.
2: Appreciate you. Thanks for the call. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, I think they're gonna. The most likely scenario is they run the entire team back with a new coach, and then next off season they readdress. And then if they want to start shuffling cards around and making trades, then they can. But they don't really have. Uh, The contracts really aren't lining up timing-wise in a way where they can make moves this offseason other than to retain the assets they have. If they want to trade those assets next offseason, then they can look to do so. Three minutes, we'll be back, talk more finals, talk more bucks, and then I want to get into the Packers at 5 o'clock. It's the Wisco Sports Show.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Before we take a break at 5 o'clock, we'll get an update from Zach Heilprin. And I just have a ton of audio. I have comments from Adrian Griffin, who the Bucks made official, is that yesterday? Yeah, yesterday afternoon, right outside Pfizer Forum. We could dip into that. I got some comments from Matt LaFleur about certain players and how they look. We could dip into that. We could dip into some Jordan Love audio. I listened to some of it. It's not the most compelling audio you've ever heard, but it's our quarterback. Aaron Rodgers gave us a lot of drama in press conferences. Jordan Love is like, Yeah. I am I'm learning the playbook and I'm I'm really trusting my teammates. It's like, oh God, aren't you gonna say something about Biden? Give us something to something to debate. No, I'm I'm kidding. Tony from Texas is here. What's going on, Tony? Hey, hey.
3: you know, Grant, I'm here also with the the greatest tight end Packer history.
4: Are you got your microphone? Hey, hey, yes, you guys- da- yeah, sir. How you guys doing, man? Oh, I'm
2: doing well. I know you guys are friends. Yes, yeah, sir. What do you think about it? anything standing <laughs> out with the, the Packers right, right now, Michael? Any any of these rookie tight ends? They got two of them.
4: Uh, yeah, yeah. I think guy, they got them guys are doing very well. Um, you got two uh, thoroughbred of the tight ends. You got guys that can catch the ball after the catch. You got guys that can make you know make make things shake and make things uh, uh, dynamic for the Packers. And I think uh, they, they're going to be pretty good this year. So with Aaron Rodgers gone,
2: yeah, <laughs> Ooh, with Aaron Rodgers gone, interesting. So Josiah, here's what here's what I want to talk about at some point. Should I be expecting more from Josiah DeGuara in year three, or two rookie tight ends who've just gotten into the
4: league? Uh, I think. Uh, you know, I mean, it's to a point now where uh, the NFL they they start they are starting to um, develop young guys really fast and putting young guys out in the fire really fast. So I think the two tight ends and two young tight ends are going to come in and make a splash. Uh, from day one, and uh, looking forward to it, uh, looking forward to seeing the tight end play uh, elevate, and uh, you know, what I mean, come out and do something this year. Hell yeah!
2: Why was why historically has tight end been so hard? Right when you come into the league, why is there such a learning curve with that position? Uh,
4: uh, it, it's, it's a position where uh, you know, is one of the, uh, the positions where you got to know everything on the field, uh, besides the center. Um, but it's a position where you're blocking, you're catching the ball, you're you getting hit. You got to get up and block again. So it's a really tough position uh, on your body and uh, uh, and th- with things like that. And so um, it's all about maintenance of your body, and it's all about uh, taking care of yourself at the end of the day.
2: We got about thirty seconds. You think the Jets are going to be good this year, or do you think it's going to go really poorly? <laughs>
4: uh, I think I think the Jets are going to be uh, pretty good this year. I think they they're going to the show. Uh, they they have a ton of um, experience. They got a ton of young guys that can spread the ball. So I think it's going to be different. It's going to be very different this year.
2: Tony, what are you and Jermichael Finley doing? Hey, hey. Are you just sitting around having beers, or what's going hey. on here? Uh,
4: I'm <laughs> no, getting
2: no.
4: ready to work. Hey, so, no, um, um, right now I'm going to work out some kids. I'm in Green Bay, actually, tomorrow uh, from 9th to 10th. I'll be throwing a, a camp, a Elevate U camp with, um, with the Blizzard. Um, arena team, so um oh, we'll be yeah. we'll be in the frozen tons tomorrow. well hell yeah, enjoy your
2: time in the state. I gotta take a break. It was nice to hear from you both. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, for Michael. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see you later, Grant. Thanks. See I you, Tony. Better. Yeah, and uh for those of you that are skeptical, I uh I do know Tony and Jermichael Finley are boys. So that's I'm ninety-nine percent sure that was actually him. And it sounded a lot like him too. So some tight end breakdown, Jermichael Finley joining the program. Two minutes, we're back. How
4: is the-
0: on all nations to do everything they can to stop these terrorist killers. Thank you. Now watch
1: this drive. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills.
2: tight end? Legend Jermichael Finley. What do you know? Tony in Texas. They are boys. That was 100% Jermichael Finley. Yeah, Tony just DM'd me. I appreciate that, Tony. Thanks for getting us a couple of questions. I wish we had some more time, but I also don't want to take Jermichael Finley's you know, entire afternoon asking him about the Packers tight end situation. I, I do at one point want to do like a buy or sell or like a Packers stock market thing where Like, I'm not sure who we expect the number one tight end to be this year. Because historically, they would say, well, tight end, it's the hardest position to contribute as a rookie. Oh, it's so hard. Right? And and Jermichael kind of said the opposite now. He's like, well, now we're getting to the point where these guys come into the league and they're good and they contribute right away. So I'm trying to figure out, like, week one, who is the number one tight end or who's the guy that we trust and, and expect the most from? Is it Josiah DeGuara? who's underwhelmed and hasn't really done a whole lot, but is going into year three, year four, year four? Or is it the high ceiling, uh, highly touted, highly excited prospect, but the prospect that hasn't stepped on the field yet in Tucker Craft or Luke Musgrave? I don't know. That's talking tight ends with Tony from Texas and from Michael Finley. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you guys have had an awesome day. Uh, next, we will hear from Ricky Weeks, who is having beers with Eric on I-90. Uh, in, they're planning to call at any moment, I can I can tell now. 608-796-2558. Uh, before we get into the Packers here, Jared and DeForest says, your take on the Heat is spot on. The Heat play good enough to be within one run of getting within a few shots or taking the lead. Ex- exactly. That's worded perfectly. Jared continues, most often that has happened in the fourth quarter. They waited out and capitalized on the one moment of weakness. Once they pull the rope, the opponent is left reeling and shell-shocked. It's crazy because they could be down 15, and that seems comfortable for them. Yeah, 100%. The Heat stay in every game, and that takes mental toughness, right? There's a lot of toughness to say, I know we're down 12, but we just got to hang tough. We got to keep doing this and wait for our spot. And then when that spot comes up to be ready and to be excited, despite trailing the whole game, that takes a lot of mental toughness. It takes a lot, takes a lot of, of resilience, and the Heat have it. And then when they just get one moment, one opportunity, they make the most of it, and then the other team is left dazed and confused, and the Heat capitalized, and they can win a game by just going on one little run, having one little moment. That's what this team does well. And I think oh, all the other little things we talk about, the Heat, I think it stems from that, right? Their ability to keep the pressure on constantly and force the other team to be perfect. Right? Because teams, they like to take possessions off. They like to, oh, we get out to a big lead and then coast. The Heat don't let you do that. So, yeah, we're exactly on the same page, Jared. I appreciate that text. We understand each other. Uh, okay, Matt LaFleur. Speaking of tight ends, weapons, we're all very excited about Romeo Dubs in year two, Christian Watson in year two, Samari Touré in year two. I hear so much Samari Touré buzz. It's insane. Most of it's coming from me. Just about all of it's coming from me. But I do hear a lot of it. This Amari Touré. And then also, Jaden Reed, the rookie, and Luke Musgrave, the tight end, and uh, Tucker Craft. So they have a lot of... And I didn't even mention Josiah DeGuarra. They have a lot of options. Right? Matt LaFleur yesterday specifically asked if he's noticing a connection between Jordan Love and Romeo Dubbs. Is there, is there anything going on there? Notice
0: something? I, a lot of good things. You know, we see it on a daily basis. I think that Rome has done a nice job of really making that next step now he's got to go go out and do it in games but i think what we've seen from him in practice just how deliberate he is with what he's trying to work on he's doing a great job of really getting his feet in the ground running violent routes violent cuts being aggressive with his hands um so i think he's he's shown a lot of progress and just the rapport that those two guys have have shown throughout Mm -hmm. how many ever that was he Eight practices now um, has <laughs> been pretty glad.
2: solid. I'm glad I'm not the only one. But I feel like every other day on this show, I'm like, and the Packers are doing OTAs, training camp, rookie mini camp, non-mandatory mini camp. Like, I'm glad I'm not the only one who struggles to keep the schedule all figured out. Although Lafleur like seven or eight or nine days, I guess he at least knows what the actual activities are called. I think it's, uh, I think it's OTAs right now. I'm pretty sure I could look it up or I could text Mike Clements. Maybe that's what I'll do. Lafleur, another question. How can you tell if say Romeo Dobbs is a guy that's going to take off before September? Like, is there something that you're seeing where maybe we could expect a leap? We could expect big things in year two, a year two jump. Some people, we always say in year two, you get a big jump or in year three, you get a big jump. What are you seeing bubbling under the surface? Maybe with Romeo Dobbs,
0: you always look back to the person and then- I think um last year I know I talked about just his process and uh his routine that he has and, and he is there's sometimes we almost got to pull him back cuz he's so invested into it and puts so much time into it that I think you know sometimes you can almost wear yourself out so I think that's one thing with him you you never have to worry about whether or not he's working and I know from when we get out of here and the time that he spends away from here, he will be very deliberate with what he does. So I expect him to be able to pick up right where he left off. And he's, he's made some, like I said, he's, he's done some unbelievable things throughout the course of this OTAs. Just whether it's with the route running, the catches, um, and just continue to build on that rapport that he has with Jordan.
2: Romeo seems like very intense, very focused. Expects a lot for himself. Um, and Matt LaFleur basically describing how, how Dobbs might be a little bit too hard on himself. Ask a little bit too much of himself. And I just think of that, that Michael Scott job interview scene where it's like, Weaknesses? I care too much. I try too hard. Like, my weaknesses are actually strengths. But I think as a wide receiver or, or in baseball, I think we see this a lot too when it's, it's very much a mental sport. And, and catching the football can be mental now there's there's physical parts of the game of course you need to be in top physical condition you need to be a good route runner you need to be fast and strong and and all the things that make football players the best athletes in the world and the most physical athletes in the world it it comes down to the football hitting you in the hands and you not dropping it and we see this a lot we saw with james jones at times Devontae adams struggled with drops uh, there is a big mental component to playing wide receiver as well. And if a player is too hard on himself, self uh, or expects too much or presses too much, that can limit the player's success. That, that can actually be a detriment, caring too much and stressing too much, trying too hard. That can be a detriment to a player. And, and I think that maybe fits with the personality of Romeo Dobbs. He just seems like an intense son of a gun. He, he seems like someone who does not... Need the frills and and the the fancy right fanfare. He's just there to play football. And I truly think that there was maybe a disconnect between Dobbs and Rogers last year because Dobbs is like, man, I'm getting open. Hit me in the hands. And right, I'm going to run my route. I'm going to be where the play wants me to be. Don't give me a, this wink and a nod, unspoken connection thing. I'm going to do my job. You just do yours. We don't need to. We don't need to overcomplicate this. And I think maybe there was some friction, maybe some tension. And I, I think a lot of those anonymous. Complaints from certain members of the Packers. I'm not saying I think it was Dobbs, but I think that attitude was around where it's like, man, we're trying to come into this league. You tell us to run this route, we run this route, and then we come back to the huddle and you're like, well, actually, I winked at you and and lifted my shoe off the ground, so that meant to change to this and that and the other thing. I, I just think there was a lot of BS and a lot of noise, and I think maybe Romeo Dobbs specifically really struggled with that last year. Here's Matt LaFleur. Mike Clemens sent me this cut. Matt LaFleur cutting off a reporter asking a question about a Jordan Love interception down the middle of the field. Let's listen. I haven't heard this. I think
0: it's a great learning experience, and you'd rather have that happen in practice than out in a game. And, um certainly there's going to be those moments, but it is for every quarterback. And it's certainly, I think when you, when you talk about the situation, you're talking about a two minute end of game, no timeouts. Sometimes you're, you're a little bit more aggressive and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And so I think you just have to go through those experiences and, and try to learn from them and get better from them both when they're good. And, and obviously when they're bad.
2: Okay. I want to be very honest with you about Jordan love right now. I hope that Jordan love, it's great. I wish him the best. And I hope that he's the next great quarterback of the Packers. And I hope everything goes smoothly and he finds success and he establishes himself as a quarterback in this league for the Packers after sitting on the bench for three years and learning and, and really waiting patiently for his turn. I hope all that works out. I am not going to take what we see on film and, and take what we see in games and try to bend it to... Like, I'm not going to take what we see with Jordan Love. Like, if Jordan Love throws a pick, I'm not going to try to bend that to to fit my desire for him to be the next great Packers quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, I hope Jordan Love is the next great quarterback of the Packers. I wouldn't bet on it. I don't know that he will be. I don't have an especially strong feeling that he will be. I hope that he will be. I I would bet good money that he knows the offense and that he's he's in the loop with Matt LaFleur and he understands what the Packers are trying to do. I don't know if he can go out and execute it. And if all of a sudden he starts making a lot of mistakes and if he starts missing throws, I'm not going to be the guy that starts taking the bad things that we're seeing and try to... I'm not going to go spin zone on Jordan Love. And I'm not saying that's what Matt LaFleur is doing here. But it kind of sounds like a little bit maybe that's what Matt LaFleur is doing. So... Jordan Love throws an interception down the middle of the field, and Matt LaFleur is asked about it, and the reporter can't even finish his question. I'm going to play this one more time. Yeah, I think
0: it's a great learning experience, and you'd rather have that happen in practice than out in a game. And
2: If Jordan Love throws an interception, there will be plenty of folks on Packers Twitter who break down the clip a million different ways, and they try to spin it like, well, this guy was in the wrong spot and 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 the the fingertip the ball, so it wasn't even Jordan Love's fault. No, no, no. If Jordan Love plays poorly, I'm not going to go spin zone and, and drag it out. I will be very honest and upfront right away. If it seems like Jordan Love isn't the guy, I will accept it. I think there will be a large portion of Packers people that will not let that be true in their own mind. They will not believe that. They will not say it, right? I, if Jordan Love throws a pick, well, don't throw a pick. It's a bad throw. It's a bad read. It was a bad decision. And in practice, whatever. You can call it a learning experience. But I, I, I fear that in a couple of months, when the preseason gets going and when training camp has happened and we start the real games and, and Jordan Love doesn't look perfect, there's going to be a large crowd of Packers fans and Packers people that are going to want to spin zone it and say, well, no, he did the right thing. It was the receiver, blah, blah, blah. Or, or well, he's got a bad hamstring, blah, blah, blah. Right? There's going to be spin. I'm not going to spin zone it. Okay? We hope that Jordan Love is going to be good. We really don't have any any reason to believe that he will other than he's had three years to sit and learn the offense. Well, studying a binder isn't going to help you make throws, right? You can either make the throws or you can't. You can either execute or you can't. Studying for three years isn't going to help you throw a tight spiral. Maybe you know where the ball's supposed to go. You know where the receiver is. But if you can't make the throw, you can't make the throw. I promise you I'm not going to go spin zone on Jordan Love. That is my... uh Promise to you. Here's Matt Lafleur about how much Christian Watson has improved during OTAs, and he was asked about Samari Toure as well because we heard about Dubs. What about Watson and Toure, the other members, the big three that were drafted last year?
0: I think both of those guys have done an outstanding job. You know, Christian certainly you can feel his speed out there, and just where he is at in terms of his knowledge of the offense is is night and day. He, He is a real leader in that room and does an outstanding job and. Um, Samari's had his moments, and we got to continue to build upon those and, and become more and more consistent along the way. But he's a guy that we definitely have high hopes for. And he he has the things that the, the tools necessary that you look for in terms of being able to separate. He has them in his body. He possesses those. So, oh. um, you know, it's just continuing to get more and more reps.
2: I've mentioned a lot of times, really over the last year, that I want to see the next wave of Packers leaders step to the forefront, right? Because Mercedes Lewis was here and Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, and I didn't really want him here. And I was told by, you know, callers and, and people who interact on the show, well, I want Randall Cobb around just because, uh, just because he's a good leader. I want Mercedes Lewis around just because he's a good leader. No, 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 no. Because as long as Cobb and Lewis and, and Lazard are here, there's no opportunity for the next wave of guys to step up and be leaders, right? And now Christian Watson, it sounds like, has that opportunity, and he's stepping up after a year of experience and really learning the offense and really wrapping his hands around what it means to be the best receiver on the team or, or a good receiver on this team, and he's stepping up and taking on a leadership role. That's not allowed to happen if a bunch of old farts are kept around just for vibes and just for leadership, so that makes me happy. And Samari, too, right? Look, he's spry. He's fast. He can move. I, I always use the word spry. Spry. To describe him it's gonna be consistency uh and attention to detail that I think is is the bugaboo of Samari Touray, although there is no bigger owner of Samari Touray stock than me Dan in broadhead 608 2558 what's going on Dan oh you know not too much Grant how are you doing I'm doing good uh I think we need Packer season to start because the more sound bites I play <laughs> and the more I read about Jordan love it it's just becoming clear to me. We need to see this guy play because we're going to drive ourselves nuts talking about all the what ifs and all the projections.
3: Well, if you remember last week or a week or two ago, uh, we had a conversation where I told you that coming from a Bears fan, mm-hmm. uh, be realistic and not
2: optimistic. Yeah, and I think you're you're getting that that realistic part now instead of the optimistic part. Well, you can you can be both. You you can be hopeful and and realistic at the same time. Right. Like blind optimism is, that's not realistic, but but hoping for the best, but also realizing that maybe the best case scenario isn't the scenario we're going to get. Like, I, I'm trying to walk the line between realism and optimism, Dan. That's what I'm going for. But I do remember what you said. And, and I 100% agree with you that I think a lot of Packers fans were like, well, maybe Jordan Love isn't great. And maybe we only win 10 games because that's been the floor for our Packers for as long as we can remember now. Oh, yeah. And, with uh, well, what I heard from uh, what the, the the big unit show today yeah. is that he's
3: still uh, he's still missing throws when running. Yeah, and I guess the consensus is that he's been in training camp for three or four years now, and he's still missing the same throws. Yeah, so I, I don't know. And, and as far as Christian Watson goes, I can tell you again from experience that I like that Lafleur talks about speed, but. Uh, you know, Willie Galt for the 85 Bears was fast but couldn't catch anything. Devin Hester come into a wide receiver, can't catch. A lot of speed, but you also have hands, too. Speed doesn't, doesn't define you as a, as a receiver.
2: That's very true. I, although I will say in, in today's NFL, I think coaches are they're getting smarter in that. I think if Devin Hester was in today's NFL, a coach would find a way, like Kyle Shanahan would find a way to get him the ball without forcing him to make a great catch. You know what I mean? Like, I think coaches are better now than ever before that if a guy's got bad hands, but he's crazy fast, well, they'll find him a way to get him the ball and let him run with the ball that doesn't involve him, you know, catching some mile-high moon ball. You know, I do think it is it is the best time in NFL history to be an athlete now because athletes can just make plays in space. These play callers, these coaches, they're so creative, you know? Oh, yeah, I agree with Totally on that. They, the jet sweeps and yeah. and the little like screen passes
3: and stuff like that allow them to just get in open space and showcase that speed.
2: I'm excited to watch Christian Watson, but I, I do think there's a world, Dan, where... Like, Devontae Adams showed a lot of promise as a rookie, and then he went through a lot of growing pains in year two and, and a little bit of some growing pains in year three. I wouldn't be shocked if Christian Watson in year two you know, has struggles with drops and... And it's still very clear that he needs, still needs to work on his game, you know. Yeah, sophomore slump. It happens. Yeah.
3: the uh, The other thing I have, we haven't talked about this year was the White Sox and how bad they've gotten off to, even though they dumped the anchor that was Tony Larusa.
2: Why is that? Is the ghost of Tony yeah. Larusa still meandering about the dugout? The White Sox are so much better, but the White Sox aren't alone, Dan. Like I mentioned earlier in the show. The Phillies should be better than they've been so far. The Mets, the Padres. There's a lot of teams with a lot of talent that really are underperforming so far in 2023. Yeah, I agree with that. With the White Sox, I feel like it's it's either the
3: talent just isn't catching up to everybody clicking or they fast-tracked all of these prospects too quickly sure. into, the, into the majors.
2: Sure, I suppose that could be the case. It's only June 6th. Like, we got we to remind yeah. ourselves of that. In a month, we could be like, oh, my God, the Mets are incredible. And, oh, my God, the Padres finally figured it out, or, or the White Sox. So, we should probably wait a little bit before writing anybody off.
3: Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to speak too soon, but they are on a four-game winning streak and almost uh, yeah. took a no-hitter against the Yankees last night into the seventh inning or something.
2: Do they are, – are they still playing the Yankees tonight, too? Yeah, they're on the MLB Showcase game. So are they going to play this game? Because I've seen pictures of Yankee Stadium today and that the air quality is so bad there right now. Like, I don't see how they play a game in this ballpark tonight. Let me look up Yankees. I wonder if there's anything. (laughs) Yankees. I guess if you haven't heard anything, then all is normal for now.
3: No, I, yeah, I was going to say I looked earlier. They didn't announce a pitcher for the Yankees, but uh, other than that, they didn't say that there was any delay.
2: Um... Well, Buster only tweeted, MLB making the right choice in postponement of Yankees-Phillies game. It was the only choice. The Yankees-White Sox. Yankees-Phillies. Yeah, but what is Buster? I. You know what? This is a great project for me over the commercial break, Dan. What do you think? I, I think I should research this when we're not on live radio. How's that sound? I think that's
3: great. Yeah, crack a uh, pabst and uh, figure it out.
2: Crack a Yeah, that's what I'll do. Thanks, Dan. Have an awesome night. All
3: right. See you, Grant
2: crack a PAPS. yes uh that's what i will do and i'll get to the bottom of this uh, yankee stadium air quality business three minutes and we're back on the wisco sports show
1: this is the wisco sports show with grant bills on the wisconsin sports zone radio network
2: show. My name is Grant Bills. I put the whole research department on this MLB cancellation business over the last three-minute commercial break. The, the, the full power and the full capability of the research staff, which is me. Uh, it's not the Yankees-Phillies game. It's the Yankees-Phillies games are postponed. So more than one game. The Yankees are playing at home and the Phillies are playing at home. And the air quality is so poor... Not just in New York but all over the country and it's bad in Philly as well It's been bad in Wisconsin but it hasn't been as bad like it was very gray on Sunday and Monday uh, we went to the beach well it wasn't really a beach uh, I went up north of Lacrosse up the river a ways. Uh, and there's some like tributaries where rivers dump into the Mississippi and if you go up the rivers those tributaries you can find like sandbars and stuff so we were just we were just chilling sitting in the sun, you know, feet in the water, kind of like a Zach Brown dance song. And you couldn't really see the bluffs on the other side of the river. You could see the outline. It was kind of gray. You could tell it was hazy, but nothing like it is in New York today. Like, the sky is straight up orange. Wisconsin's like, oh, it's a little hazy. It's a little gray today. Like, nothing what it's like at Yankee Stadium or where the Phillies play in, in Philadelphia. So those games were canceled. Got to the bottom of that. Uh, thank you to our research department, and thank you, Dan, and Broadhead – we're calling in and bringing up your white socks, Mike from Chippewa Falls says Flacco, Rippon, Dilfer, Williams, Hosteller, and McMahon were average quarterbacks that won Super Bowls. If love is above average, we should be okay. Yeah, uh, it's pretty hard to win with simply an average quarterback, it can be done, but your, your margin for error is certainly a lot thinner. Um, I just think. We always want what we can have. I say that all the time. And I think in relationships, Cowherd literally talked about this today. I'm ripping this straight off from Cowherd. Um, But in relationships, like when one relationship ends and you start another relationship, the person who you end up with next is probably going to be the exact opposite, going to be different, right? The last relationship didn't work out. She was really outdoorsy. Okay, well, the next girl I did, oh, funny enough, she hates going outside. Not a hiker she doesn't like camping. No, 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 no. Hotels all the time with this girl. Oh, well, of course. That's how we work. That's human nature, right? We we want what we can't have. So we have an opportunity to get someone or something new. We go a different route. Keep ourselves entertained, right? And and you see that with coaches. You see that with coaching hires. You see like, oh, this this coach didn't work out. Coach Budenholzer didn't work out, right? He was an experienced retread head coach. Now the Bucks going in a different direction. They go the first time head coach. They go with Adrian Griffin. I think this is true. With our sports teams as well on, on a macro level, Mike. Like for 30 years, we've watched high-level quarterbacks who make a lot of money, and that makes it hard to build out the rest of the roster, so we're scrambling trying to have a defense that's not terrible or, or trying to keep our offensive linemen or, or not lose our high-priced wide receiver. And now that we have an opportunity, or I, or I guess we were forced, depending on how you look at it, the Packers are forced or they have an opportunity to get another quarterback, we want to go in a different direction. We want him to be good, but not too good. We don't want him to do too much. We just want him to run the play and, and play simple football. So I think, I, I don't know. I, I I think that is, that has something to do with the way that we discuss Jordan Love is, is, we're refreshed at the idea of something different than Rodgers. Jared and DeForest says, you also can't spin zone it the other way either. Even if the vibe gets high during the preseason, doesn't mean it will translate to the season. You want to see progression. You want to see the balls delivered on time. You want to see the ball move down the field and team drills. The bumps will be there. It's important to stay grounded about the situation. A hundred percent. I'm not looking to jump off the Jordan Love bandwagon at first chance I have. I guess I'm just not going to spin zone every mistake that he makes and say, no, 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 he's still great. Here's why. And and spin zone it. I'm I'm not going to do that. Dan and Broadhead follows up and said, McMahon has one of the best defenses in NFL history. Yeah, exactly. That was a, a once in a lifetime, once in a generation phenomenon. It's not like, oh, well, the Packers have Jordan Love, who's average. Just build the eighty-five Bears defense every year. Yeah, okay, sure. If that was e- if that was as easy as it sounds, if that was just a an easy fix, then a lot of teams would do it. Let's talk to Ridge Runner Mark. Speaking of bluffs and, and ridges, Mark lives up there somewhere. 608 Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. What's up, Mark?
3: Not much. Just kind of building on what you were just talking about with you know expectations for Jordan Love. Um, I've been listening to the big unit the last couple of days and. I've I've noticed a trend. He, and this is something that humans do, I think. They will find the conclusions they're looking for. Uh. And because he doesn't like the way Jordan Love was drafted, he's not happy with how that happened, when it happened, everything that surrounds it, he's going to find reasons to not like Jordan Love. He's flat out said, he goes, well, I I don't think he's going to play well, but I'm also, you know... I'm not gonna. I'm gonna hold out hope. He's trying to walk that line. When in reality, he just the whole situation left a bad taste in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And so now, every little chance, whether he's doing it consciously or not, he's going to find the conclusions that reinforce that idea that I don't like that Goody did that when he did it. Sure. Um, and I, you also have the challenge of people are either going to try and compare him to Rogers, who is a bona fide top draft choice that year yep and jordan love who maybe was talked about but not everybody thought he should go in the first round and they're they're either going to tie him to the bat or they're going to say he's going to bust there's no middle ground yeah and uh I, i find that's kind of interesting i'm of the mind whenever we had when we had Favre when we had rogers my expectation was they're giving us a chance to go to the Super Bowl every year. Yep. Regardless of the roster, regardless of how things go. My expectations now are, I think they're, we've got a chance to make the playoffs. After that, everything is gravy. If they don't make the playoffs, I'll be bummed. If they do make the playoffs, let's see what happens. I'm not putting my expectations too high or too low because we haven't seen them for a full season yet, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think a nice reset of the expectations after a, a long 10 or 15 years with Rodgers. And, and look, fans of other teams are looking at Packers fans. as like, what do you have to complain about? Right. You've had it great. You've been contenders every year. And I, and I hundred percent get that. If I was a lions fan, I would probably say the same thing, but Mark, we've both experienced the Packers now for years on end. It has been an exhausting 10 years in that every year we come in super bowl or bust. We think it's going to be the year. This is the year they get over the hump. They finally fixed this. They finally address that. And then they find an even worse way to lose in the playoffs. And it got worse every year. And every year the urgency went up, which made it hurt even worse. And then that hurt carried into the next year. I just think we're, we're all needing a little bit of a reset here. I think it'd be good for the mental state of Packers fans. But I guess my point is, Jordan Love might be terrible. He might be great. I'm going to try to watch him as unbiased as possible and not spin what I see or what we read to fit the conclusion that I want. I, I think we both are, are in agreement on that.
3: Yeah, and I, I'm trying to even remember what we thought of Rogers' his first season. I, I'm not sure because he was considered a number one pick, and he basically it was a miracle the Packers ended up with him. We were happy to have him because we didn't think we were going to get a chance at that. <sighs> so I don't even know if we put expectations on him or we expected that. Well, he's a number one, a potential number one pick, so he'll probably he'll be fine. He'll be fine, and we just kind of ignored how good or bad that first season was.
2: Yeah, and now that in love, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious about that. I all I, I am I, I, entertained when people remember 2008 because I, I feel like we remember. You right. say that you say that we see what we want to see and and we draw the conclusions sure. we want to draw. I feel like we remember what we want to remember about 2008. Like, oh, oh yeah. we were happy. To, we were happy to have him because he could have been a number one overall pick. I that might have been true for you. I don't think that was sure. true for very many people. Right, like I, or when 2008, when when Rogers took over, I don't think a lot of people were excited because people were pissed that Favre was gone. But now, years later, after it worked go. out, now we look back and we oh, we, yeah. we remember it better. You know, we remember it as a right. smoother, better, happier time, and I, I just don't know if that's true.
3: Well, you know, you, you remind me of that. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm like, man, Favre, that kind of sucked. Like they pushed him to talk about retiring. He made the decision, then realized he didn't want to. And then they would let him back, and that had, had left a sour taste in people's mouths. And people focused on that, and not on Rogers' play, which is why I can't remember. It. I can't remember how good statistically the year was. I don't think it was a winning season, but I don't remember if there was a lot of people clamoring for, "Oh, Rogers is a bum, He sucks. Why didn't we do this?" Versus, or, or we gave him the maybe we didn't give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I don't even remember. Uh, I do remember at one point where he kind of he stood up and there he said, "Hey." Uh-huh. Either get on board or don't, and, and that's all he said. And then apparently, if I remember correctly, he was quiet after that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if we had the, the talkative Dodgers that we ended up with the last five years. Those first few years, It'd be interesting.
2: It's a good to, point. Kind of I, I, to... I think they get more comfortable opening up and talking about this and that yeah. and the other. I mean, just think of it, like think back to high school. Like coming into high school first day of freshman year, you're ready to poop your pants. You don't know where anything is. You don't know who <laughs> anyone is. And Why then not? just four years later, right you're like, I own this building despite, you know, being 17 years old. Imagine imagine playing quarterback and being a multi-time MVP and being somewhere for 15, 16 years. Obviously you're going to be way more comfortable and and way more open and conversational towards the end. Yeah, 100%. True, yeah. Yeah. Right up. All right, Mark. This is a productive conversation. Right. Hell yeah. I'm sure we'll talk soon. Up. We'll talk to you later, man. Have a good Bye. night. That's Ridge Runner Mark. Let's take a five-minute break. Come back. We can talk a little bit more about the Packers. I got some Jordan Love audio. We could dip into it. We'll see if we get there. I'm sure we'll find something sparkling and interesting to talk about related to the Packers and their quarterback situation. Coming up next, Wisco Sports Show. Back after this.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Zone Radio Network.
2: Sports show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having an awesome night. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. You can text and call the show if you'd like, 608-796-2558. We had a surprise appearance from Jermichael Finley right before 5 o'clock via Tony from Texas, because they're boys. Talked a little bit about the Packers' tight end situation. I love this Packers draft this year. I think if Jordan Love is going to succeed, the Packers have put him in the best possible situation. Right. Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, they got a year of experience already. Josiah DeGuarra, will be his fourth year he's been around. And then you just took a scattering on approach. We're going to try to find another weapon or two. Jaden Reed, uh, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft. One of those guys is going to work. And David Bakhtiari's still here. Elton Jenkins still here. But this is as good of a situation, I think, as a rookie quarterback could ask for. Plus, he's not really a rookie. He's had three years to learn. Now it's up to Jordan Love. Now we'll see what he can do. And, and Ridge Runner Mark was talking about Bill's show earlier today. Mike was at OTAs. There have been a lot of bad passes. There have been a lot of wobbly passes, interceptions. Now it's OTAs. So in the end, it doesn't matter. But, you know, this is ultimately going to be Jordan Love's baby. Whether he can make the throws, whether he can execute the offense or not, I think the Packers have done just about as much as you can do. Uh, save for trading for A.J. Brown or having Devontae Adams. Right, and, and normally most players don't have that as a rookie. Maybe in year two or three, that's kind of on the timeline we've seen with Jalen Hurts or, or Tua in Miami. Let's talk to Tom in Lacrosse 2558 What's up, Tom?
3: Uh, hey, how you doing? Uh, it occurs to me we we talk about uh, a lot about you know love and and whether or not the uh, Packers can make the uh, playoffs or not. Yeah, but it occurs to me if they make the playoffs this year, it's going to be close. It's not going to be like 11, 12, 13 wins like it's been for a lot of the years before. Yeah. And it's going to be really close. And in order, you know, so, I mean, when 9, 10 wins, maybe, you know, I mean, and it occurs to me that uh, we're going to make sure that we have to have some decent backup quarterback for that game or two or three games that God hope it doesn't happen, but if, well, gets injured. yeah, And can uh, Sean Clifford, this fifth-round rookie, can he be it? Um, I'm I'm pretty sure the other guy, I can't think of his name right now, who they have on their roster probably isn't it. Uh, But uh, what do you think about that?
2: I don't know that Sean Clifford is the answer. I think Sean Clifford is exactly what Brett Helmley was. A couple of years ago, well, a lot of years ago now, where they took a guy and they're like, we're not going to expect this guy to play. He's certainly not ready to play. He's certainly no asset, but we'll keep him around, develop him. He's going to learn the offense, right? And and he'll be here. So in two or three years, all right, then maybe he can be our, our backup quarterback. But no, I don't think Sean Clifford is. No, if Jordan Love gets hurt <laughs> this year, I, I'm not saying the team is screwed, but they're definitely not in a great spot.
3: Do you think they should look for a backup quarterback? A veteran? Um,
2: we, always, we always have this discussion. I, I think it's an overblown discussion because there's not a Chase Daniel out there for every single team to just sign. I think if Jordan Love gets hurt this sure. year, all right, it's a wash of a year. You lose a couple games, you get a better draft pick, and you build up again for next year. I think that's yeah. what I would do. Okay. okay. What, what about you? Thanks a lot. What about you? What do you think before I let you go? Uh well
3: I I think I I to be honest with you I look at it this way I mean I've been a Packers fan since 1963 Uh-huh uh, seriously and I uh I've seen a lot of great teams and I've I've seen a lot of bad teams more bad teams than great teams
4: Mhm
3: and frankly you know I mean there are some years that uh if you're able to sneak into the playoffs you know a couple of times in the seventies, you know I mean uh, when we had Don McCkowski we were getting close, you know I mean then it's more exciting to be be honest with you this season should be more entertaining because a lot of that anxiety is gone from you've got to win a Super Bowl,
2: yeah, like you guys were talking earlier, well and uh well, Tom, you said that if they make the playoffs this year, it's going to be close, right? I'm just trying to think yeah. of some of the the most electric uh, seasons, at least at the end, that I can think of. I think in 2016, when they had to run the table, that was electric every week. And those weren't even playoff games. Those were regular season games. Or 2013, nice. when they had to go into Soldier Field and beat the Bears in week 17, that throw to Cobb. Like, I- I'm uh-huh. not saying that. I'm not saying that it's going to be better that the Packers will be fighting for a playoff spot, but I think it's going to engage us and make the regular season a lot better because last couple of years we've just been bitching, you know, week 16, 17. Oh, they don't look that good. They barely beat Baker Mayfield on Christmas. Like the games are going to matter a lot more in the regular season. And the idea of that is yeah, really well, exciting. Well,
3: for 30 years, we had Barb and then now Rogers. And, you know, it's like you go into the season, it's Super Bowl or bust. Now we can go into this season and say, wow, if we make it into the playoff, that would be awesome. You know, I mean, we've got to look at it that way.
4: Yeah,
2: and I think we all are. God, it's such a weird mindset that only other Packers fans can understand. Tom, I'm going to let you go because I feel like I've kept you here longer than you you wanted to be here. Appreciate the call. Okay, thanks, bro. Yeah, have a good one. Uh, that's Tom and lacrosse. I'm just listening to Tom, and he said, You know, for for all these years, it's been Super Bowl or bust. I'm really looking forward to watching a team, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, just just to hope they get into the playoffs. Imagine explaining that line of thinking to someone who cheers for any other team. But I agree with them. I agree. And maybe not all Packers fans do. I think there's probably some Packers fans who are listening to this like, give me a break. We had a chance to contend for a Super Bowl for 15 years. You guys are whining about it. That's not really the point, though. The point was... And I'm 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 beat up. I'm tired. I, I can't keep doing this. Let's let's reset our expectations a little bit and and remember what it feels like to just get excited to wake up on a Sunday and hope your team wins and not worry about what it means in a month or two months or or, or some upcoming heartbreak in the postseason. Need a reset. Let's talk to Daniel and Madison before we take our last break. Six oh eight seven nine six two five five eight. What's up, Daniel?
3: Hey Grant. I just uh I wanted to Basically, disagree with our ridge running friend yeah. um, about just just the expectations. Or I've, I've noticed more more and more people are, I guess, forgetting the ridiculous amount of expectations and pressure that was on Aaron Rodgers when he first started in two thousand. Um, yeah, in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and then into two thousand ten, when obviously we won a Super Bowl. But uh, if you're ever wondering, how big of a, like how big of shoes to fill there were and, and the expectations and pressure that was on Rogers watch the full broadcast of the 2009 game where Brett Favre came back to, to Lambeau as a Viking. Yeah. The, and the entire broadcast, I think I watched the whole game, maybe like a year or two ago. It's the entire thing is Brett Favre left this ridiculous legacy and so far, Rogers has not filled it in the least, right? That's they just kept kept saying stuff like that the entire broadcast, and then you wonder why. Hmm, I wonder why Rogers felt so slighted by you know you know what I mean. It's just like people forget so quickly how or how they spoke about this guy and how.
2: Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, that's what I told. Like I, I wasn't going back and forth arguing with Ridge Runner, Mark, I basically said, you know, I I hear a lot of accounts of 2008 that that seem a little revisionist. Like, I I don't think we're 100% honest with ourselves with what we thought and what we said and how we acted in 2008. And now, years later that it worked out, right, we look back and, oh, it was all fine. It was all hunky-dory. We were just happy to have him. You know, he he could have been a number one pick. Mm, mm, Daniel, I I don't think that's how it went, at least not for most fans. Well, I just, I mean, I think that, I think that there were unreal
3: expectations put on him, yes. and for the most part, he exceeded every single one of them. Obviously, we would have preferred a, a couple more championships, right? But I, I mean, if if anyone was expecting a Hall of Fame quarterback to to follow Brett Favre, I I don't know that person because yeah. I I wasn't expecting that. But I know that the pressure to perform as a green Bay quarterback following a hall of famer is really second to none um, in the national football league. And uh, that, that also, I, like you said, the revisionist history is pretty crazy looking back and saying, Oh, well we didn't actually do that much. We didn't put that much on Rogers back then. We totally did. The guy had to, (laughs) the guy had to like fight just to keep his starting job. The first couple of years, like, with people saying, oh, well, we'd be better off with name your average quarterback.
2: You know what I mean? Yeah. I know what you mean, Daniel. I just, I don't know. I I think people misremember 2008, and that's fine. We misremember a lot of things. I got to take my last break, Daniel. I'm going to let you go. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. No, that's fine. Sounds good. Yeah. Have a good night. Uh, I don't think a lot of people expected Rodgers to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think anyone expects Jordan Love to be a Hall of Famer, but if Jordan Love ends up being a Hall of Famer, explain to me why every other team would not start doing their quarterbacks like the Packers. Like, why would you not draft a guy and sit him for two or three years? Why would you not do what the Packers are doing? If Jordan Love turns out to be great, why would you handle your quarterback situation any other way? If you were another team, not the Packers three minutes, we'll come back, wrap up the Wisco sports show next.
1: This is the Wisco sports show with Grant bills on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network.
2: My name is Grant Bills. Fun show tonight. Jermichael Finley randomly joined the show. That was fun. Talked about the Packers tight end situation with him for a couple of minutes. That'll be in the podcast. If you simply search Wisco Sports Show, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you'll find it. Super easy. Game three of the finals is back tonight. Brewers and Willie Adamas tonight playing game two against the Orioles because Willie Thomas is back. Bryce Tarang, poor guy. He endures an 0-for-21 slump and a 1-for-41 slump when all said and done going into the fourth inning last night. Finally gets a triple and RBI single to tie the game. And uh, what's his reward? He gets sent down. And, and not not, not just days in advance of Paige Speronic. Bobblehead day. When, when is Paige Speronic? Is it 10 days away? Is it next week? Bryce Trang's going to be rotting away in the minors. Poor guy. It's just terrible. We talked about the Packers for the entire second hour of the show. we going to get Mike Clemens on this week, I think, who's been at OTAs. OTAs wrapping up today. Uh, we did not get to the Jordan Love audio today. He gave his final press conference of OTAs. And maybe we can get to that tomorrow. He talked a couple things I wanted to hit, uh, what he learned, right, whether he was trying to make mistakes, to take risks, to learn. Right, Working with these young wide receivers. and He's also been having a little bit of trouble throwing accurately, especially on the run. You can read into that as much as you want or as little as you want. I I just said a little bit ago, I'm not going to put the spin zone on Jordan Love at all. I really have no expectations. I have no predictions. And I'm just going to be unbiased and see what he does. Because I know that if he throws a pick in practice... You got Pete Bukowski saying, well, the receiver ran the wrong route, the ball's tipped. No, 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 I'm I'm not doing any of that. I'm just here to watch. Excited to see what kind of quarterback he turns into. Maybe he busts, maybe he's great. I look forward to finding out, like everyone else. That's going to do it. Listen to the podcast. Enjoy game three of the NBA Finals tonight, the Brewers. We'll talk about
0: both games tomorrow, starting at four. Talk to you
4: then.